0: Welcome to Make It Kick-Ass, where we help leaders of growing communities bring their people together with purpose and lasting impact. Join us as we explore how to make events engaging, exciting, energizing, and profitable so that you can build a healthy, sustainable community. I'm Isaac Watson, founder and lead strategist at Kick-Ass Conferences.
1: And I'm Nessa Jimenez, operations manager at Kick-Ass Conferences.
0: Now let's make it kick-ass together. Hello, everyone. We are back with another episode of Make It Kick-Ass. Hey, Nessa. What's up? Hi, Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are having a little follow-up conversation after the last episode, which was our interview with Emily Thompson, co-founder of Being Boss and the founder of Almanac Supply Company. Really, really great conversation about community and how she was able to build and uh Move her community from being online only into one that thrives off of in person events. I thought that was. Uh, really fascinating and great, great, uh, topics and things like that. So we have some kind of follow-up points we want to cover. Uh, but this is your flag. If you haven't listened to that episode yet to go back and listen to it first. So you get all the context because you know how much we love context yes. and, uh, and then all of our discussions will make sense. So pause if you haven't heard it, go back, listen, then go back and listen to us continue to talk anyway. Uh, so, Nessa, um, one of the big things that stood out for me is, was when we asked Emily how she defines community. And this is something that is near and dear to my heart, uh, because, uh, I mean, the work that we do is all centered around community building. And uh, I'm curious for you, what stood out that I'm, I'm trying to think about this from the frame of like the clients that we typically work with or people we have conversations with who think they're building a community, but maybe they aren't actually, they're a little disillusioned by it. So like, what are the, what was the big takeaway for you?
1: Right. So, so community was the key word here. And I think community versus audience was really like the crux of the issue, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of people are building an audience thinking that they're making a community and then they're disappointed when the audience behaves like an audience and not like a community. (laughs) Uh, And when we talk to people who are struggling in that and when we see people kind of fail in building communities or, or engaging communities like that's really the problem like stepping back to the very center the very core of the thing like do you actually have a community or do you mm-hmm. just have an audience that consumes your content or buys your products and then like that's it like that that's as far as it goes right so i i I, I really appreciated emily taking us through like that definition and, and making that distinction because that that's like the first thing you should be checking if if you're struggling with your community keeping your community engaged and growing and and connecting like oh, maybe you don't actually have a community right
0: mm-hmm. I think uh, something that came up for me she used the word uh, gatekeeper Uh, When we were talking Mm -hmm. about it, about not gatekeeping your community members and and not getting in the way of them being able to talk to each other. Uh, I attended a conference a while back uh, and heard a talk that was ostensibly about building community. Uh, I don't want to name names because that's just not a nice thing to do. Um, But the speaker was talking about how they were cultivating community through a newsletter Mm -hmm. um, that was essentially an advice column. And I was listening to this and I was thinking, you know, what, there's something, something off about this. And the more that they talked about their, their community, their community and how they would take reader questions and then, uh, you know, pick and choose which ones they wanted to answer and then, um, and get reader advice and then pick and choose which ones they were going to send out in the next newsletter. I was like, that's, that's not community. Mm -hmm. That's just an audience that is being gatekept. Um, to, to interaction. It's not even interacting with each other. It's just um, funneling the content up to the person who's writing it and then funneling it back down out to the people reading it. And I... I mustered up the courage to talk to this speaker afterward. And I kind of called this out in a gentle way. Uh, and they said, actually, no, you're right. That is absolutely gatekeeping was the word that they used. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, uh, and in their context, they said, but honestly, it's better that way because it allows me to, uh, exert some influence on the quality of the advice being given. Cause not all advice, uh, especially around relationships and dating is, uh, good. And, uh, and that works really well. And so that kind of led into this conversation about okay well how how could you actually cultivate community within this group if you wanted to do that so i use that as an example because i think it's really easy for people especially as you're building an audience to think that you have a community it's a fun word to say it's it's just in our vernacular it's it's something that we um just kind of it's a default word in a lot of cases but Uh, More often than not, I think the word is used incorrectly when we should be using market or audience or, uh, consumers. Uh, and so I think that just keeping in mind that like we are, we, when we're cultivating community, we're giving space for those members of the audience to communicate with each other, to support each other, to start to build those relationships that go on without the leader of the community
1: yeah and that was and that was a big one for me and and you mentioned it near the end and i'm glad you did because that to me is the number one sign of knowing the difference like if your community quote unquote falls apart the moment that you walk away that's not a community Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's an audience right like if they're they're doing fine and together when you're there but you leave maybe you're not posting for a couple of days and all of a sudden like everything's gone yeah that's that's not a community because they're not it needs to exist without you i think ultimately if if your community needs you to be there you need to be constantly like managing it and like in the day-to-day and always like babysitting it in a way that's not a
0: community yeah i think related to that it's it's and we talked about this a little bit in the episode is the need to kind of pull your own ego and your own priorities (laughs) out of the equation. It's, you know, community can do wonderful things to benefit a business or a professional pursuit. We heard that with Emily's examples of how it kind of leveled up being boss as a business entity and brought in revenue and things like that. Um, but that was that was a byproduct of it that wasn't the end goal and Mm -hmm. so i think that if we can as as leaders we need to kind of back ourselves and our our own uh egos out of the equation and and basically give space and and create an environment that that encourages other people to contribute and to rise up and and to lead on their own and and connect with each other um in a in a more human way than just being like i'm the leader here's what we're talking about um this is my product that i'm selling
1: Mm -hmm. and community building is a much longer term thing than even audience building because audience building does take time and investment Mm -hmm. and, and you know, it's not an overnight thing, but community, I would say even more. So it requires an even bigger investment, a a, a bigger dedication to making it happen. Uh, Whereas it'll take a lot, much longer time to, to maybe see those byproducts that, that you were talking about. And, and, and that Emily mentioned. Uh, So something to keep in mind as well, like, you want to build a community but are you in it for the long haul and and why really why do you say or do you think that you need to build a community mm. right right analyzing that for yourself because if you're not willing to put in that time and effort and that work and and just accepting that that it's that's part of the process like maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Maybe your time is better spent continuing with that audience or, you know,
0: whatever, doing something else. But um, I think that it's to me, it's about really understanding yourself and your needs and your goals for whether that's a passion project. In the case of Emily and Kathleen, when they started being boss, um, in in the case of Tara making the decision to close down her community and move into something that was more sustainable for her, it takes a lot of, uh, self-reflection and acceptance of an understanding of what we need, uh, as individuals. And that goes for the leaders as much as it goes for the members of the community. And so I, I think like community is formed in all different kinds of ways. I think in Tara's case, she has a couple core friends with, the, with this kind of low stakes, uh, no expectations can take the pressure off relationships, which in, you know, for her personally and for her work environment and the way in which she chooses to, and needs to engage with others works really well, mm-hmm. right? She's found the equation that works for her. Um, but she's also not seeking to create and lead a community that does that. Right. right. She's shifted her priorities. I think in the case of Emily, um, this was I mean, you heard her. Talk, her and Kathleen started this because they were doing, you know, Skype calls on their own talking about business. And then they were like, wait a second, other people might find this useful. Let's just like share these conversations essentially through this magical new thing called podcasting. And, um, and then that organically grew, it was not a designed thing. For them. They were just like, you know what, let's just put this out there into the world. The world ate it up. And as a result, they were like, Oh, I think there's something here. Um, let's, let's gather some people together in person. And it just grew from there. And I think that at the core the two of them understood when they started that they needed this for them, they needed to have these conversations and that if they needed it, then there were probably other people out there that needed it too.
1: Right. And I think what Emily was speaking to was being the leader or building a community, whereas Tara was speaking to being a community member. And those aren't necessarily the same thing. You can lead a community and not be a member of it. And I think Mm -hmm. too many people think that that is an automatic, like a given, and that's not, you can be really good at creating a community for, for you know, creating a space for people and you not be part of that community. So
0: I I think, um, I'm thinking about what Emily and I talked about in our session at Podcast Movement where we were, we, we used a, a diagram that showed kind of your market, which is the, the group of people, the big circle is the group of people that could possibly be interested in what you have to offer. And you have your mm-hmm. audience, which are the people who have said, yes, I'm interested in what you have to offer. And then within that, you can build a community, which is a subset of your audience that is, um, the people who are engaging with what you have to offer or what you're trying to cultivate and then and by building that community, you're helping them connect with each other, and you're um creating something that is bigger or or more impactful than just what your offer or service or what your goal is essentially um, i think as we think about community building i think especially like in the online entrepreneurship space. People tend to gravitate, when you say community, to, oh, I have a membership program. Right. And that can be a community, but the mere act of creating the membership program and enrolling people in it doesn't mean you have one. I think that's another example where people often use the term community when it isn't actually one.
1: And for me, something that I really enjoyed was when she brought up the fact that events, can be a source of feedback. And it's a good way of understanding the impact of what you're actually doing. Because she mentioned how they make the podcast, but until they did the events, that's when they actually understood the impact of the work that they were doing and the conversations that they were having. And I thought that was beautiful.
0: Yeah, I loved the anecdotes about people meeting in the elevator and starting a business project together. Or um, you know, just feeling coming people coming out of the woodwork and and really kind of connecting and building friendships that are lasting beyond um, beyond the life of the podcast and beyond the life of you know beyond that moment in time. Um, it th- was interesting to me um, during that conversation. Was I was thinking about you know I had a um, Uh, I was interviewed on the access ideas podcast and we got into a bit of a conversation, but I was going on and on about in-person events and how magical they are. And Yana, the host, um, said, well, wait a second, what about virtual, like virtual events are still (laughs) right. Um, useful. And I think, yes, absolutely. And, and, uh, Emily spoke to this as well, right. That like the online community is a critical piece of it. The in-person events have, um, have this, this special role that they play. What I think is really interesting is that, um, at least to my, from what I've seen in my experience, and maybe I'm wrong in this, um, a community will often, especially in the the modern age, a community will often start online and then it will move to in person through a a segment of that community, right? Because obviously not everybody's going to attend. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It rarely goes the other way. Right. You can have a community start in person and then continue to gather in person. But I, I don't, I have not seen a successful in-person community transition to an online format as a means of growth or deeper connection. Does that make sense?
1: That does make sense, and that's really interesting because I actually haven't thought about about uh, in that way. So I'm trying to think like, is there?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure there are examples, but I think more often than not, you know, because of because of the geographical ac- accessibility, right? Like Emily was talking about all the people that she's met across the world. We've seen this with our clients with online events and how that just opens doors, uh, theoretical or virtual doors, uh, to people who are not living within a specific country or geographical mm-hmm. area, um, that, that kind of access is useful and great and beneficial and it expands your reach. Um, and all in-person events can't really achieve that same thing because there's so much more involved in participating in an in-person event when you're, you know, halfway across the world. But, um, I still see like... More often than not, I see an online community that then gathers in person as kind of a first time thing to deepen those connections and to take things to the next level with that segment of the community. And I think that that's a really, I mean, this goes back to the marble run analogy that we use in our work Mm -hmm. uh, about events as a, as a momentum giver to, um, to the steel ball that runs through your fantastical machine of community. Um, and I, I think that in person events will always hold that kind of je ne sais quoi of uh of human magic, I think. Um and you can you can create elements of that through online gatherings, uh for sure. There's just something or something special there.
1: Yeah, and and talking about that something, I think me that something is it has a, a beginning a middle and an end whereas mm-hmm. v- virtually it doesn't necessarily ever end or even have a beginning it's just like a kind of thing that's there and it's 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 like like social media for example it's it's never ending right like right. It's, there's always something new there's always you know whereas an event what Part of what makes an in person event special is that, oh, we're only here for this amount of time, and then it'll be over, and then we have to go back to whatever we were doing <laughs> and that yeah. and that and that limiting it lends itself to a special appreciation and, and an energy that you're not getting when you're posting every day on social media again and again and again, right,
0: yeah
1: and consuming and it's exhausting and and you're right when you say that virtual communities they do use events as a way of deepening that relationship and and they still maintain the 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 virtual presence right it's not like they stop being online but the events keep that relationship deeper like mm-hmm. if you do an event once and then you never do it again, eventually that that magic, that thing kind of fades because it's been so long and, and I forgot what it was like. Or uh, new people have come in that they've never experienced it before, so they don't have that frame of reference, right? And so you, you see these communities coming back like every year, every other year, and it's it's kind of to refresh that magic that mm-hmm. they experience. Yeah. All right, and lastly, wrapping up before we finish here i r- I really like that you mentioned i think it was you that mentioned it um the authenticity online versus authenticity mm-hmm. in person, and <laughs> yeah you said that and i and I you asked her that question, and I immediately was like, yeah, 'cause it's it's much harder to bullshit people in person, you know." Yes, it is. <laughs> It requires a level of effort that is not necessary when you're just making a post and, and writing like whatever story I want you to believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another element of that that magic of in person, where if if you're trying to weave a tale, uh, you're gonna have to work much harder at it <laughs> when we're meeting in person uh, versus that like filter that we have online.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, even even in the most intimate online communities, there's a level of affectation or um, digital posturing, right, or presentation, making... We have a tendency, and I think this is just internet culture, to prettify ourselves as best as possible, put our best foot forward. Um, Because a lot of it is a sync, we can edit Mm
1: -hmm. ourselves
0: in advance and compose the the best version of what we want to say. And so it's a lot easier, even if we're not like if we don't have bad intentions i'm not saying a lot of people are going around catfishing or anything but um even if you have the best of intentions there's an inclination to uh self-edit and and hold back or you know Mm -hmm. especially in like business communities right like there's a little bit of competition i think
1: that you do that especially and and looking at it generationally cuz i i started having access to the online world like at 9 years old but it wasn't what it is now mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and thinking about gen z and these younger people that are they really did grow up with like social media and all these things there is an expectation of like yeah, you have to edit yourself. Yeah, you have to Photoshop. Yeah, you have to make, be as uh, you know as shiny and whatever as possible, and make people think that like you're oh my god, the coolest thing ever. But I think that also leads to younger generations being less enthusiastic about meeting in person. I've noticed this. Mm, interesting. Like I have like my like you know my little cousins who are like 1920 and twenty, and and they talk about that of of they, they don't want to meet people that they know online because they know like oh god you know like all this bullshitting <laughs> that we've done that's expected like nah, i can't sustain that <laughs> you know yeah, in person yeah. and so th- it also makes me think about how does that affect events then as we move forward and gen z is now more like in the workforce and all that stuff and how does that influence how we meet and what it means because if you also if you're not used to meeting people in the real world first what does that mean then right like how does that affect how we meet how we want to meet people and and how we do that and what that means to us like mm. does it have the same value to a, a younger person that it does to us millennials and older that that was just the norm
0: i think you just opened up an existential can of event worms <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um, At risk of becoming the boomers talking about the millennials Mm -hmm. and, uh, but us being millennials talking about the Gen Zs, um, I, that, that is a great question. I think, um, I think that there is a lot, I I think some of this goes back to the, this quote unquote conversation culturally about the future of work and how we engage with each other, what in-person office time looks like versus working from home or working remotely. Um, I think a lot of that still has to play out, but I think that part of it is fueled by the younger generation's tendencies toward staying online. It's Mm -hmm. safer there, right? They can hide in a more beneficial way, right? Like they don't have to be vulnerable. They don't have to be authentic. Um, I don't, I don't know that I have a good question or answer to that question with regard to events. What I think what occurred to me though, as you were getting into that, is that we talk about this affectation online. There is still an affectation in person, but it manifests in different ways, right? It's how we mm-hmm. dress. Mm-hmm like, I'll be the first one to tell you that I painstakingly curate my wardrobe (laughs) to (laughs) give the vibe that I want to give at things, which is also a coping mechanism for being highly introverted. Um, But uh, there are the ways in which we talk to people at events, at conferences in particular, I think about um, there's still some some self-censoring and editing and things like that that happen. Um, but I think that when you are in person and I don't know how to swing this back over to the Gen Z question, but I think that when you are in person, it is a lot harder because there's so many more social cues, there's body language, there's, um, energy, whatever you want to call that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you've, I talk about this multi-sensory experience of the in-person event and the fact that it's synchronous. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you are all there at the same time doing the same, not the same thing, but like experiencing the same thing. Right. Um, it changes how we relate to each other. Right. And it it provides for more human connections. Cause there's multiple connections. It's like, Oh, you know, um, the AC was really cold over here. So I moved over here. And then like, by chance I, Met someone who was a friend of a friend, right? Like, there's so right. much right. more serendipity and circumstance in that that I think we have yet to find ways to replicate that in an online environment, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I think, I I know you say that you, you didn't answer the question, but in what you said, I think you did answer the question. So, uh, <laughs> what I'm hearing from you is the so first of all, 100%, it is absolutely true that as long as there have been human beings human beings have we've been trying to like gussy ourselves up right with our clothes oh, yeah. and our makeup and our the way we present ourselves right so what I hear there is that the way we do it virtually that's just the manifestation of the same thing and we've always been able to get through that right and, and, and make connections yeah. with each other regardless true. of that so I heard that I also hear um, the fact that in-person events, since they are ephemeral, they are not eternal the way that what you post online is, there is a kind of liberation and safety in that where it's like, yeah, we're just here for a couple of days and then it's gone. You know, it's over. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not as worried about this as the way I'm worried about whatever I'm posting that it might get me canceled or whatever. Right.
0: Right. And And like. You know, people don't hold that as... Like, people may remember what you say to them, especially if you make an off-color comment or, you know... Right. Say something mean or whatever. But it's not, like, in the paper of record for your life, right? Right. Like, in the way that social media is, for some reason, which is so funny because so much of, you know, I was a very early Twitter adopter, rest in peace. Um, (laughs) And uh, it was the longest time i treated twitter as just like stream of consciousness shit posting right right, right. <laughs> it's worthless drivel it's just a way right. to put my thoughts out right like and yet that somehow is now canon in my life because it's right, right? because yeah
1: <laughs> it, it, no you're right because that that posting that you did 10 years ago that can come and bite you in the ass and destroy your life because somebody decided <laughs> that they wanted to you know We see this all the time, right? Like people are getting, they're losing their jobs, they're getting canceled, celebrity because of stuff they tweeted ten years ago, right? That is because apparently we
0: are we are not allowed to learn and grow as human beings. Yes, right, right, right. right. Yeah,
1: Yeah, no, but but that's that's so that's the number two that I see there where you're talking about. It's not the fact that events are. You know beginning middle and end that 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 lends itself to a little bit of more for the freedom and then Mm -hmm. lastly what i think what i hear you saying is that it is now the responsibility now more than ever for events and event producers to create spaces uh, not safe spaces but that's what i was gonna (laughs) say (laughs) But but what I mean is creating an environment where people feel comfortable to show up, right? I think now more than ever, that's what people want. People are not wanting to show up to events where they're not feeling included. They're not feeling welcome. They're not feeling seen. Um, Especially, I I think we mentioned this in in maybe last week's episode, how post-pandemic people are really reconsidering the things that they're showing up for
0: that's exactly what i was going to say is that especially in the context of work events
1: right
0: um because it's not i I think that's the whole reason that our industry is in this like state of what's going on (laughs) um because it's Like I I think we culturally have have been forced into a massive reevaluation of values and priorities across everything that we do.
1: Right. All right. Well, I I think we I (laughs) think we answered that. Yeah, I think we answered that question. (laughs) We solved it. Yes. Yay.
0: Um, No, we have simply identified the problem. Yes. Um, uh, (laughs) We are not the first.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Make It Kick-Ass. We hope you found it entertaining and helpful. If hosting a community event is on your radar, visit geteventlab.com to take our free 30-minute training called Community Event Mastery. That's geteventlab.com or use the link in the show notes. Make It Kick-Ass is hosted by Isaac Watson and Nessa Jimenez. Post-production audio by Chris Nelson at Mittens Media. Our theme song is Feel It by Dojo for Crooks. Make it Kick-Ass is a production of Kick-Ass Conferences, an event strategy and design agency serving leaders of growing communities.